Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any other thing you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You know, it reminds me of what happened to you about 30 years ago. I still remember this. I was traveling alone, which I didn't like going traveling alone. I always wanted my wife to come with me. You know, now I've grown up, but anyways, then I would. And I was always faced with the temptation of self-pity. You know, it was always, I miss Cheryl, I miss the boys, I miss my pillow. Anyway, and I was always suspicious when I'd go into a hotel room of what strange things happened in this room, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, before I went on this one trip, I, I listened to this one message where, where it was about not, not engaging in the world system. And, this, and this, the speaker said that he was alone in a hotel room one time where down below, below him was this wild, immoral uh, party going on. And, and, and he decided to use his time in the hotel room just to study the scriptures. And he talked about how it was a wonderful time. So I, I took the advice, and I remember I was going from New York to Boston, and I had some cassette tapes on the book of Hebrews, and I just poured over the study. It was a fantastic trip. I remember that. Why? Because I forgot about other things. And I used the time to press on to know the Lord Jesus better. And that made the difference for me. And that, for me, was the verse 9 application. Hasty, hasty, on with it. And that's what Joseph was telling his brothers. He was saying, hasty, in verse 9. Here's your new job. Yeah, reconciliation, this is great, this is wonderful. No time for parties. Let's get on with it. Now, we see that Joseph told his brothers exactly what to do in verse 9. He says, Haste ye, go up to my father, say unto him, Genesis 45, 9. Haste ye, go up to my father, say unto him, Thus saith thy son, Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. So we see here that Joseph really emphasized to his brothers, don't get distracted. Don't get sidetracked. Now, I know that never happens to any of you, and it never happens to me. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I'll get a degree in that. But anyway, he said in verse 9, haste ye. He started verse 9 with haste ye. He finishes verse 9 with tarry not. You jump down and you look at verse 24. He says, see that you fall not out by the way. Now, when we see Joseph here making this emphasis three times to his brothers, what does this show you about what Joseph felt about his brothers? (laughs) What do you think? Got some reliable guys here. 
They're slackers. They're going to get sidetracked. <laughs> I know my brothers. Now, this was a very important job to do. Very important. This message had to be delivered quickly, and it had to be delivered accurately. And he says, you know, haste ye, in verse, verse 9. Go up to my father, say unto him. So, here's the question. If this job was of such great importance that Joseph wanted his father to get it quick and get it right, what is the obvious question? Why did he send someone else? Why didn't Joseph himself go to his father? He's got such an important message to be delivered. It's got to get there quick. It's got to get there right. And why does he send his brothers? Why didn't he go himself? Now, did Joseph have any reason to question his brothers would be reliable? Yeah, plenty. <laughs> had the brothers given Joseph any reason to not trust him, to be truthful messengers? <laughs> Someone said honest a little bit earlier. Where, where, what, what did Joseph have as a reason to not trust the reliable truthfulness of his brothers? They lied to. Who did they lie to? They lied to their father. They lied to their father. So now let's see now. They have a history of lying to their father. I think I'll send them to my father. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, right? So it really adds to the question. Because Joseph had good reasons to not trust his brothers to be reliable and would be truthful and, 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 and it's such an important job. And why didn't Joseph just get on his chariot and go there and tell Jacob himself? Why did he entrust his brothers who had a history of not being truthful with a message? They had failed in the past. Why did he trust them to deliver this message? When you really think about this, you can see here, Joseph's got a plan. This is a plan beyond just getting the message to his father, Jacob. And the plan has to do with the recovery of his brothers. Why? Because recovery always comes from repentance. Recovery always comes from repentance. See, Joseph didn't want to see, Joseph didn't want to see his brothers just be sidelines. Oh, you guys. He wanted to see his brothers recover from the sin of not being truthful messengers. And that's what happened to him in the past. So Joseph knew that, 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 that his brother's recovery would only come for repentance. And repentance is to have another chance. That's what repentance is. It's to have another chance to do the right thing after you did the wrong thing. That's what repentance is. And it would have been so much easier for Joseph just to say, I'm finished with you guys. You are liars. Hang a sign around your neck. Lying, untrustworthy. There's no way I'm going to rely on you again to be truthful with this message. You guys are on the shelf. You guys are, you, you, I'm going to my father, my, myself, and I'm going to bring him the truth. And that would not have recovered his brothers from their sins. How many times have we failed the Lord? How many times have we failed? And what does the Lord do when we fail? Does the Lord say, I'm finished with you? You failed me. I'll never trust you again. You're off the team. You're shelved for life. No, the Lord doesn't do that. The Lord does the same thing that Joseph does, that after we failed him, he gives us another chance to not repeat the same sin. 
And this is what Joseph is doing here. He's giving his brothers another chance to not repeat, repent the same sin because recovery comes from repentance. And repentance is being faced with the same temptation and now not yielding to it like you did before. And that's what happened to Peter. And Peter, in, in, in Luke chapter twenty two thirty one, Luke twenty two thirty one, when the Lord said to him, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, now just look at Peter, like a peacock. He said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. You imagine all the other disciples going, you know, and he said, and then the Lord said, he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow thrice. He shall not crow this time, but that thou shalt deny me, deny me that thou knowest me. Now, here the Lord Jesus is telling Peter, he's saying, Peter, you're going to fail, and you're going to deny that you even know me three times. But he wants Peter to recover, and recovery comes from repentance, or, or what the Lord calls being converted, so that after the resurrection, the angel told Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, that they should go, the Lord wants them to go and meet the disciples in Galilee, and he says in Matthew 16.6, Mark, sorry, Mark 16.6, Mark 16.6, and he saith unto them, be not affrighted, you, sh- you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, he's risen, he's not here, behold the place where they laid him, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, there you shall meet him, see him, and he said, as he said unto you. So the angel tells the women to go and tell the disciples, and then the angel stops and says, look, specifically, you've got to tell Peter. So even though Peter had denied the Lord these three times, the Lord sent a special message to him showing that you're forgiven, Peter. And then there was the time when Herod had killed, had killed James, had killed James, and had imprisoned then Peter, this is Herod's mode now, and it says in Acts 12.1, Acts 12.1, now about that time, Herod, the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And, and because it saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to take Peter also. And there were the unleavened bread. And, 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 and what happened is that Peter was in the prison. And the angel came and, and, and released him out of the prison. This just kind of shows the dangerous environment that there was in Jerusalem. Now, in that environment also... Peter stands up in Acts 4.8, in Acts 4.8, where it says, Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost and said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we thus be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel. Now look at the proclamation. That by the name of Jesus Christ of, La- of, of, of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, <clears throat> even by him does this man stand. This is the stone which is set it not of you builders, which has become the head of the stone of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unloaded and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge they'd been with, with, that they had been with Jesus. Now, he's in great danger. It's an environment of people are getting killed here. And he stands up and he proclaims, that Jesus is God and Savior. This was Peter's recovery. This was the recovery that came from repentance. So just as Joseph 
gave his brothers a second chance to do right where they had done wrong, so the Lord gave Peter a second chance to do right where he had done wrong. And that's what the Lord does with us. He gives us a second chance to do right where we had done wrong. Can't you imagine the brothers there when they're they're saying to Joseph, Joseph, you sure? You sure you want us to go? I mean, we don't exactly have sterling reputations. We got pretty bad history of failures here. You're the good brother in the family. We're the black sheep in the family, remember? Don't you want us to go off into the corner while you go on to dad? And we can imagine Joseph replying to the brothers, no, 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 I want you to go. You are my trusted, honest announcers of this great news. I'm behind you 100%. I'm for you. You go for me. You carry this good news message. You carry this gospel message. Your past is forgiven. I'm not going. You're going for me. And that's what happens to us with the Lord Jesus. We came to the Lord Jesus with failures. We were a failure because of our sins. And what does he do for us? He says to us, okay, 2 Corinthians 5.20, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So Joseph made his brothers his ambassadors after they had sinned against him and repented. And in the same way, the Lord Jesus makes us his ambassadors after we sinned against him and repented. So when we see Joseph here making his brothers his ambassadors and exhorting them with the hasty and tarry not of verse 9 and verse 24, see that you fall not out by the way, We can see how the Lord Jesus says to us, now, I'm not going to go directly to the lost. I'm not doing that. I'm sending you as my ambassadors by the lost, and you're going to go in my place. I just got one exhortation for you, and that exhortation is, haste ye, tarry not, see that you fall not out, by the way. That's the instructions that Joseph gives to his brothers as his ambassadors, and that's what the Lord instructs us. Lost souls are at stake. This is the time for you to hurry up and bring the gospel message that their sins can be forgiven if they just accept the free gift that I'm offering to them. So hurry up. Don't delay. Don't get distracted as you go. Now, what we see that Joseph told his brothers is very specific, very specific. He didn't say to his brothers, okay, when you see dad, you just tell him what's on your mind. You know, tell him what you've been impressed with. Tell him what you think you should tell him. No, that's not what he did. Joseph gave to them the exact words to tell their father. And the message they were to bring in verse 9 is, Hasty, go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph. Now, the first message is, Thus saith thy son Joseph. Joseph. It's imperative that Jacob knew that what the brothers were saying to him came from Joseph's mouth. And he goes on with this, he goes on and emphasizes, see my mouth I'm talking. So the first message is, thus saith thy son Joseph. It was to be made clear that the brothers were not bringing their own message, that they were bringing the verbatim message from Joseph. Now there's a lesson in that for us. When we go to the lost, it's very important that we be like the brothers sent by our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, And we make it clear that our message comes right from God, that our message is thus thus saith the Lord. And whenever we quote the Bible to the lost, it's like we're stepping aside and we're letting God speak for himself. I mean, 
We did not write the Bible, and, and the verses that we're quoting to the lost are very clear, and they don't need interpretation, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.12, 2 Corinthians 3.12, seeing, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, great plainness of speech. So the goal here is to be very plain. We have such a hope in the scriptures and we quote it in the most simplest way of understanding and we don't need any interpretation to, to go with it. You know, when I spoke yesterday at Museum Day, I had a dream the night before. I'm going to tell you about my dreams now. Anyway, and I dreamt that I was, I was talking to a little, a little, a little person. It was a little girl, probably about four or five years old, and I was explaining to her about creation. <laughs> and I thought, that's the way I have to speak, you know, because these very clear statements in the Bible. First John 5, 12, very clear. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And that's the, this is the first John 5, 12 is a great plainness of speech. If a person has the Son, he's got life. If a person does not have the Son of God, he doesn't have life. You couldn't get more plain than that. Very plain. Scripture does not have and does not need what the Bible calls a private or personal interpretation. As it says in 2 Peter 1.20, 2 Peter 1.20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. So when I go to the lost, I know how important it is to stick to the text the thus saith the Lord text, and not to change it to the gospel according to Tom. And when I teach the Bible, I know how important it is to stick to the text of thus saith the Lord and not to the text of thus saith Tom. And that's exactly what we see Joseph doing here, is making sure that his brothers did as we see him telling his brothers exactly what to say in verses 9 through 11. Exactly. And he starts off with, thus saith Joseph. Now, Joseph knew that his message had to be concise and it had to be effective. I mean, he knew his brothers weren't sitting there taking notes about what he was saying and about what they had to say. And he knew he could not rely on his brothers to to, to remember a long, drawn-out message. So he's got to get right to the point. And it's imperative for Joseph that he communicate effectively. He's got to communicate very effectively to his father through his brothers. So this all meant that Joseph had to make his message short and effective and organized in order to accomplish his goal. He needed a logical outline. Joseph needed a logical outline that flowed from point to point logically. And he succeeded in this, in these three verses. And this is where communication breaks down. All communication breaks down when it becomes long and drawn out, where emotion scrambles the message like eggs into a disorganized mess. And it's left to the hearers to try to piece it together, try to piece together the message. That's why organization and outline is so important. For effective communication, organization and outline is so important. And this is what we see Joseph doing here in verses 9 through 11. He's following an outline of his message in these three verses. And this outline has five points. And his outline is very simple. Authority, that's the first point. Command, that's the second point. Objective, that's the third point. Goal, that's the fourth point, and purpose, that's the fifth point. 
Now, let me just clarify the difference because you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what's the difference between objective goal and purpose? <laughs> okay, for first of all, objective are specific actions. Objective is actions. Goal is the end result. It's the end. Goal is the end result. And purpose is the reason. So those are those three there. It's very interesting to see how God follows this same outline all throughout the Bible. When he speaks, when God speaks, God states his unequivocal authority. God gives his clear commands. God tells his specific objectives or actions. And God tells his ultimate goal or his end that he's pursuing. And God tells the, his, the driving purpose, the purpose that's driving him or the reason that he's doing this. And you can apply this, this outline of authority, command, objective, goal, and purpose all throughout the Bible. You see, all throughout the Bible, for example, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, that's a statement of unequivocal authority. It's God. It establishes that he is able to accomplish what he wants, what he desires, because he's God. Whosoever believeth, that's a statement of God's clear command. Clear command, what man is to do. He is to believe. He gave his only begotten son. That's the statement of the specific action that was taken. It was taken by God. That man should have everlasting life. That's the statement of God's goal, his end. And what drives him? God so loved, and he doesn't want man that man should not perish. That's the statement of the driving purpose or the reason for God, the why God did all this. Because he loves man, he doesn't want any man to perish. Okay, now we look at this with Joseph. Joseph starts with the first point in his outline, which is a statement of his authority. When he said in verse nine, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. In that statement, Joseph is saying how he was able to accomplish his purpose because of the authority. It's very important to see what Joseph did say and what Joseph did not say in that statement of authority. Joseph did not say, I am Lord of all Egypt. Joseph did not say, I have risen to the position of being Lord of all Egypt. Joseph did not say, I was the only person in Egypt that could interpret this Pharaoh's dreams, and that's how I rose to the position, and that's how I'm now Lord of all Egypt. See, all of those statements would have been putting the spotlight on Joseph, and those statements would have been Joseph saying, look at me, look at me. But when Joseph said, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt, Joseph was saying, look at God, look at God. Joseph was saying, don't look at me, look at God. Now this is remarkable. This is remarkable because here's a man who arguably is the most powerful man in the world and that he should say, don't look at me, look at God. That's remarkable. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Are you seeking employment? Tom Cantor, the founder and president of Scantabodies Laboratory, would like to invite you to a job fair open house. Scantabodies Laboratory, a biotech company, will be accepting resumes on Saturday, April 14th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., located behind the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. That's Saturday, April 14th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more information, visit scanabodies.com or call 619-258-9300. That's 619-258-9300. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 